Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Electric Acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you it's never too late to write your next chapter. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. This week is going to be a really powerful conversation about something that I know is probably lurking under the surface for almost anyone who listens to this podcast. And I would venture a guess uh, most humans on the on the planet at this point in time. So I am really excited to welcome Dr. Heather Clark. She is a powerful and soulful energy guide, coach, and speaker. She is the founder of Mind and Consciousness Institute and is a transformational guide for service-minded professionals to amplify their impact so they can set the world on fire without burning out. With her innovative metaphysical approach, find your flow and break free from stress, fatigue, and limitations stopping you from making the meaningful impact you desire without sacrificing your well-being. We got a lot to talk about. (laughs) We sure do. (laughs) Welcome to the show this week. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I am very much looking forward to this. Yes, I have been as well since we connected a few weeks ago and talked about what this episode would look like. And I have been really looking forward to this episode ever since because that idea of setting the world on fire without burning yourself out and without setting yourself on fire is something that comes up so frequently for pretty much anyone who's who's in my world. Uh women, men, who, wherever you fall on the gender spectrum, the reality of the world that we're living in right now I, has our nervous systems on, on high alert to begin with. And then we add on the lives that we live. So I can't wait to have this conversation with you. So who are you right now? And how did life show up to introduce yourself to this version? What a great question. Let's see. How I relate to myself right now is I am a stand for transformation. And the way that I have discovered is my way of doing that is transforming people through finding their inner balance and their inner equilibrium. Um, like I live for transformation. I love the work that I do. That didn't used to be the case, but it certainly is now. Mm-hmm. And how I came to this is, obviously, I transformed my own life, but when I did it, it wasn't a conscious, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ship this and I'm going to ship this. It was, I burned out real bad, (laughs) real bad. And through the course of coming back from that, what I discovered is what I'd been doing didn't work for me anymore. And that's very common for people who are experiencing burnout. Part of the deal is they're like, well, all the stuff that I used to do doesn't work anymore. What I've come to understand, it's in part because your soul has gone and evolved on you and the life that you currently have no longer serves you. So it's a matter of dismantling what doesn't work and placing back in functional supports, things that actually help you get your needs met sustainably. And that's been the key to this whole game. Yeah, 
Absolutely. That when you said your soul has gone on change, gone and evolved on you and your systems no longer work. I was like, oh, ding, ding. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there it is. And I think so many of us, particularly at this stage of life, so midlife, where there's a lot of transformations and transitions happening all around us, happening within us, really being able to pinpoint that element of it of like, oh, there has been evolution. And so, of course, this life doesn't fit anymore. Yes. And then it's a matter of when you're in the throes of it, it is so stressful. And it's like, what have I done wrong? Why isn't this working? Why are other people not, you know, stuff and things? It's like, oh my God, my job sucks. My relationships aren't working. What's going on with my business? Why is this not happening? And it's really just because you're being invited to be that much more yourself. It's really an invitation to become even more you. Which a lot of times when people hear that, they're both very inspired and very annoyed. Because <laughs> so it's like, okay, yeah, that's beautiful. That. Yeah. We all want to become more ourselves, but what mm-hmm. what what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times what that means is tuning into the things that you've always thought, that you've always believed. And it's a process of learning to trust yourself finding structures and ways forward that actually support you. Um, I think a lot of us have had the experience where we know that if we hustle and we put a lot of focus and energy into something, we can make it work. Um, The people I work with tend to be people who are very good at this, who can really focus their will on something, really put forth a lot of effort, pour themselves into it and have it work very well. Except if we're doing it in a way that isn't sustainable, where you're not getting your needs met, that is draining. You're like, okay, I've had the success. Hooray. And now let me go lay down for two months. Or like, that was wonderful. Now I'm in a new place. But oh my goodness, I, oh my God, how will I do that again? How I want to get to the next level and I don't want to do all of this hustle. I don't want to do all of this extra energy. I don't want to do that. And yet I am feeling the pull to continue to expand, evolve and explore. So what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. When you're talking, it it makes me think around. So a mind shift that I am currently working through is going from the transactional mindset Like working, I don't even know, I'm not sure what I'm going to, but I'd like to think of it as a mindset of ease rather than the mindset of transaction. And it is that very, you know, the Puritan foundation of the (laughs) continent on which we live. You work hard and the harder you work, the more you will have. And so it is that very transactional, you do this and then you get this. But the reality in the world that we live in now is not that energy is not working in that same way anymore. And because I am coming out of an edu- the education system that is incredibly transactional, right? You work as hard as you can and we'll give you an A. You work, you work this hard and you'll get a degree. You do this and you'll get into this school. And it is all about transaction. And the, and I, I felt it in myself. I saw it in the, not only the young humans, but the adults in the system as well. That kind of incredible expectation of productivity starts to burn us out before we even leave the system. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Let me not take over the whole podcast and talk for three hours about this because here's the deal. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) I love that you've identified that it's transactional. That is absolutely part of what is happening. Why that doesn't work. I was going to say why that doesn't work anymore. I'm not actually sure that ever worked. I agree. But if it did, it worked for a few people and certainly not everybody because I come from a long line generations of hard workers. Like there is not generational wealth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. so the basic premise, work hard and you'll get ahead, is not actually true across the board. 
I, you know, with, I have a background, I'm trained as a pharmacist, you know, I've got a doctorate, blah, 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 stuff and things. So I completely understand the transactional nature of things. If you work this hard, you'll get this grade, which then accomplishes this. And then you're, you're, you're part of the competition instead of backing up. And is this even important to me? What am I actually getting from this? And it's not wrong, but it is not functional in life. And I know at least my brushes with the educational system, it's not a super functional system, um, meaning it, it works to a certain extent, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of dysfunction baked right into it, just like healthcare. So I came from healthcare. That is, in my opinion, a highly dysfunctional system, at least here in America. Mm-hmm. It is here in Canada as well. Yeah, I know. It's like, there's a lot of places. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and. And the deal is it it also becomes transactional. But then when we try and do new things in new situations, we're taking along with us these dysfunctional ideas, this internalized capitalism, this Protestant-based work ethic, which isn't necessarily bad, but the way that we often apply it is bad because you're the one that wears away. And that's not okay. Like, I am at no point okay with anybody being at the center of your own life other than you. Like, you got to do what works for you. And then that's actually when you can make that mindset shift. That's actually what sets you free and has you really begin to receive actual success. Yeah, absolutely. And that is so, it's so key. And it is such a significant mindset shift because we are taught that everybody else should be the center of our lives and we should not be. Exactly. But who benefits from this? Here's where we start to really unpick stuff is like really start asking questions. Um, Because number one, if you found something that it isn't safe to question, now you know what's controlling you. Now you know what's running you. Mm -hmm. Now you know what's blocking you getting your needs met. Yeah. So let's begin to question who benefits from that. Well, society in general, you know, the vague broad term of capitalism, but also it makes you a lot easier to control if someone else is at the center of your life. Mm-hmm. Um and then I've got So this is where some people come unhooked, but a lot of people, especially parents, believe that having your children at the center of your life is what really supports them, but it doesn't. Like their your own children really need to be, not from an obligation standpoint, but it's required for them to be at the center of their own life. And that really can't happen unless you're at the center of your own life. It doesn't matter you. It, it it's not like it doesn't mean you don't love them. You love them even more if you're willing to prioritize you and ensure your needs are met first. Yes, absolutely. And I think that it's, it's, it's also really beautiful modeling, right? When you show up as the main character in your life, you are modeling for your children that that is, that is their birthright as well, that they get to show up as the main character in their own lives. And they do not have to abandon themselves to have value to the people who are around them. And that is the most beautiful way to love someone is when you just, you open the space for them to fully be who they actually are. Absolutely. And it removes the conditions. It removes the conditional nature of a lot of relationships when you're just like, no, I'm at the center of my own life. And what works best is if like my partner's at the center of his own life, everybody, and then it's, there's no obligation. There's no toxic energy. It becomes very functional, meaning it works. It doesn't have dysfunction. And that is an important part of what makes something sustainable. Yes. Functional. It's generative, meaning it creates more. And it's easeful. It's pretty easy to do on an ongoing basis once you've gotten over the hump and figured out how to do it. Mm -hmm. And again, it's removing the transactional nature. Right. Because that is also we think about it in terms of school and work and all of those things. But it's also really deeply woven into our relationships where it's if you do this for me and I will like, I'll use a really personal example from this week. Like my youngest just turned 17 
And so I had a busy week, but I still was like, I need to need to organize a birthday party for this kid. He doesn't like to organize things himself. So I am, I'm coordinating with his friends to throw him a surprise party. Um, I'm having a birthday party dinner for him on, on Tuesday night on his actual birthday. We're having family and, and I'll, and, and I'm doing it when I really let myself be honest so that the transaction in that is I do all of this for you so that you will love me and so that all these people in the community will see me as a great mom. <laughs> the good that's mom the that's, archetype. Yes. That's right. That's the truth. And it's really hard to un to unwind from that because the truth is my kid is like the most easygoing. When I asked him, what do you want for your birthday? He's like, I just want a gas card. <laughs> he's really not. He, he's like, I just want to be able to drive. He's really not a kid who was about things or stuff. He appreciates it. I know that. But he also would have been totally fine with just a little family dinner where we had his favorite cake and his favorite food. Like that would have been enough. And everything else, in all honesty, was about me. I love that. And I love that you've identified that. That is a huge step in beginning to reclaim your own energy. Yeah. Identifying, oh, I'm actually doing this for me. That isn't wrong. Like, it is not helpful to think of things as good and bad or right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Like that, those are false polarities. That's not helpful. Yes. But what is helpful is, is it functional? Does it support you? Um, and then the question is to just run with your example for people mm -hmm. who are listening. They're like, oh my goodness, I do that. I'm doing stuff for me, but it's technically for other people, but it's really for me. That's mm -hmm. not necessarily bad. But if you're feeling like, oh, this is not giving me the energy boost that I want. Like I'm not, the tide is not flowing back to me. Well, now it's really helpful to identify, is there maybe another reason? So it could be. If I were coaching you, I would suggest if like it may not be beneficial to continue doing it. You could mm -hmm. just simply like, oh, peace out, everybody. Never mind. Change my mind. Sometimes that returns a lot of energy to you. Another thing to do is where from the outside, it looks like all the same things are happening. But if you can actually connect with a deeper reason, like, okay, so I look like a great mom, and, but, but why? Mm -hmm. But why, but why, but why? And a lot of times it boils down to because I want to provide an experience that my son might enjoy. And a lot of times that can free up energy because that's different than so I look like a great mom. Right. Like, well, what does a great mom mean? Mm -hmm. And like these archetypes that we're living into, especially the, the great mom archetype. Well, great moms do and then insert 1500 things that they do. A lot of them conflict. They're very stressful, like running around and, and they might not even actually be important to the people you're trying to parent. Yeah. So like, let stuff go that doesn't work. But a lot of times if you can identify, well, yeah, I want to be a great mom, but I also, part of that is I want to offer this new experience for him yeah. while he's still here at home, while I can do it. And, you know, you can feel into it, but for a lot of people like, okay, no, that's, there's more energy in that. Mm -hmm. And it creates a different type of experience, even though people from the outside go, I don't know, it looks the same to me, but she's a lot less stressed. She has a lot more energy and this isn't draining for her. It's really lighting her up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is those little mind shifts. Like when I think about the party where I was coordinating with his friends, that was an experience I wanted him to have because I know, you know, he's got his little, his core little group of friends. He really enjoys spending time with them, but my kid who I love and he's great at so many things, organization is not one of them. <laughs> and so I wanted him to know that it was possible. Like this is possible to have your friends here and to have some fun. And so I wanted to provide that experience and that would have been enough that like, I didn't have to do all the additional things that would have been enough. But it is, you know, when you're saying the the great mom archetype and insert all the things here, the thing that is certainly not at the top of the list of the great mom archetype is she takes care of herself. Well, but okay, let's get into this. Because yes. how, how 
Can you actually support the needs of other people, especially these children you've brought into the world? How can you mm -hmm. do that unless your needs are met or sufficiently met? You, you can't. You can't. Otherwise, anything else is very dysfunctional. It's very stressful for everybody. And it, it can create trauma. It, like there's all these problems. Like you can't, everybody, when people say, well, you can't pour from an empty cup. I'm here to tell you, you don't pour at all from your cup. Your cup never tilts. You get your needs met. Mm -hmm. You let your cup overflow and everybody else can have the splashes and the runoff. Mm -hmm. It's the only way this actually works. And let me just stop right here because this is where some people come unhooked. They're like, oh, well, I can't do that because like, well, you, you can because you're not trusting that there will actually be overflow in part because you haven't had the experience of actually filling your cup up. Mm -hmm. Like it's all about what are your needs? Meet your needs. Um, so we're all very familiar with stress. All of us have experienced stress. Mm -hmm. Stress is basically, um, stress is a perceived challenge to normal balance. So stress can be real, imagined, remembered, or anticipated. Lots of different forms of stress. But also stress is a sign that your needs are not met. Mm -hmm. Like this is very, it's, it's actually very simple, but it doesn't seem simple as you get into it. Well, how will I get my needs met? Well, I do, but, 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 but. but for those who are interested, I do have a free gift on my website because the next question people often have is, well, what even are my needs? Okay. So download that gift. There's two need sheets. There's like an actual need sheet. And then what blocks those needs? Super helpful. And it's a structure that's really unlocked a lot of things for people. Because it's like, oh, well, I want, like, I need better relationships and more money. Okay, well, those are your loud needs. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to address your loud needs directly. These are the needs that are yelling at you. Like, these, I have to have it. So you want to start with an easy need. For instance, um, are you, what if you breathed? Like, breathe in, mm -hmm. hold a moment, much larger exhale. That meets your needs to get air into your body and it regulates your nervous system, which is a foundational need. Yes. Are you eating well enough? Are you sleeping well enough? Are you, you know, th there's a whole process you can go to that then makes it easier to meet your other needs. But this is really about meeting the needs because that's what relieves stress. That's what helps you be successful. That's there's there's a structure that allows you to be at the center of your own life and get your needs met so other people can get needs met. And um, it removes a lot of the judgment. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> like Judgment is, is tough all around from the internal, our own ex internal judgment. And then there's also the layer of the perceived external judgment. Yes. And yes. judgment is a toxic energy. It's, it's an energy, it's like obligation, guilt, and shame. It's an energy that shuts things down and makes it very difficult to operate in a way that's stress-free, yeah. that's functional, that you can sustain. Um, and a lot of us have the perceived external judgment, but then we also have that inner critic that's here to share all the things that we're doing wrong. <laughs> it's uh -huh. all, you know, you haven't done this and blah, blah, blah. Um, this is another opportunity to really question that. Like to really engage with your inner critic. Oh, I hear you that I messed that up in this particular way. And then it's your opinion that I'm bad and wrong. How does that benefit you, inner critic, if I believe I'm bad and wrong? Mm -hmm. and, and it depends on how your inner critic is wired. But most of the time it really boils down to it's actually just trying to keep you safe. Yes. But it, it's found these ways that it thinks that keeps you safe. But it doesn't care that safe is stuck. So it's not actually safe. It just feels safe. Right. So then it's like, okay, well, how could I, what would help me feel safe? That's actually the best way to quiet your inner critic is to really identify, is this a real warning? Is this like when you're starting something new? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I shouldn't do that because, and I'm not good enough. And here are all the reasons, blah, blah, blah. And it keeps you held back. 
Well, it's because it keeps you safe. It's like, well, how could I feel safe doing this? Well, you could get actual feedback from other people. No, no, you're, you're doing a great job. Here's an area of improvement. And then you can move forward. You can tell your inner critic, thank you. Thank you so much for your input. I hear that you want to keep us safe. And we're mitigating the risk by doing X, Y, and Z. Anything yeah. else to share, inner critic. And a lot of times she'll be like, oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other thing I've been really thinking around as well in this area is what does safety actually mean to you? Right. And what does safety actually mean to your inner critic? Because a lot of the time, safety for the inner critic means the same. Right. Yes. It means homeostasis. It means stability or the perceived idea of stability. Because if there's anything we know for sure in our world right now, stability is an illusion. We, we, can, we do a lot of things to convince ourselves that everything is stable, but the reality is there's a lot of instability. Yes. Um, and yeah. And so what does safety actually mean? Because a lot of the time our inner critic keeps us safe in pain. It keeps us safe in fear. It keeps us safe in being unseen. And that really, like, is that actual safety? Excellent. Um, I don't think it's actual safety, but it, so that's, okay. So we have, in my frame of reference, we have our soul consciousness. This is who we really are. This is the thing that lights us up. And when we meet enough needs that we can live into that soul consciousness and experience growth and expansion and novelty and all these wonderful things, that's actually the safest. But we also have this identity, this conditioned consciousness, this way of being that's like, oh, I don't want anything to do with growth and change. I like, we are not dead, therefore we are safe. And it doesn't care that safe is stuck. It doesn't mm -hmm. care that safe is miserable and it's incredibly stressful. The other problem that comes in with all of these conditions are stress changes how you perceive the world. So for instance, when I was really in the throes of burnout, I believed like in my heart believed I could not get another job, which was ridiculous because at the time there was a pharmacist shortage. I had never had any problem getting a job, but I like really believe nobody will ever hire me. So here I am. This is me now. <laughs> this terrible position. And there was it wasn't based in fact or reality, but it didn't matter. That was my perception. So that was true for me. Yeah. And it took a while when people would suggest otherwise. I was like, no, 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 that's not true because. And it's not until I began to recover, I was like, oh my goodness, that was completely ridiculous. That was, it was like being trapped in a paper bag. I wasn't actually trapped, but it felt like I was. That was actually real. So part of this seeking safety is really beginning to question, okay, well, what is safety to me? And what is safety to this identity that I have? And what's actually safe for me? And what would that look like? And do I feel like I can get that? And what if my beliefs aren't actually true? Like if you can get to the place where you're like, I believe this very strongly, it's possible that's not actually true though. Mm -hmm. You can play with that. You're well on your way to freedom. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it, it requires some assistance to really get you out of that. But when you, well, what is safe? Because uh, you mentioned stability. Stability is actually a need. Mm -hmm. or per perception of stability, but like you need an appropriate amount of stability for you and you need an appropriate amount of instability for you. They're both needs. Yeah. It, and it's kind of like, because if everything is too stable and doesn't change for most people, that's incredibly boring. There are some people that are like, that is my dream. <laughs> Great. Enjoy. <laughs> um, but for most of us, you need enough stability. You need enough predictability, but not too much. And yeah. it's really, what's the balance point for you? Because it's the balance point. That's what's creating the safety. It's what's getting your needs met. It's what helps you get the rest of your needs met. Um, and that's really the name of the game. Yeah. 
as we've been talking, the question that just keeps rolling around in my head is why is our physicality, our humanness so much louder than our, than our soul voice? Okay. (laughs) What a great question. Hmm. It is my opinion that the soul voice, it might be different than your body voice, but what if it's the same? Mm-hmm. I believe your soul is always talking to you. You are always receiving signals. Always, always, always. And I think the separation of the soul from the body is a little bit false mm-hmm. for most purposes, in part because it's difficult to meet the soul needs for growth and expansion and living your purpose and all these wonderful things if you're so freaking tired you can barely stand up. So meeting your physical needs really sets the stage so that you can meet your psychological needs and your soul needs. Um, And it's, we've chosen to incarnate into a three-dimensional plane of existence. So those needs are definitely needing to be addressed. Like mm-hmm. those, yes, those are. are actual real things. And one of the things that drives me nuts in the spiritual community is everybody's trying to, I'm just, I'm ascending beyond my physicality. Like, okay. <laughs> well, you know, okay. Okay. That's not helpful. You, you chose to incarnate here. Yes. Why? Why are you trying to get out of it? Yes. Like, why not? Okay. How can I enjoy this? Yes. How can I make this work for me? Yeah. And then what if this is happening for me? That, yeah. That's that's a perspective I have found very helpful. Because, you know, sometimes crap happens. Yeah. It's not like, oh, it's all for a reason. I am not saying everything happens for a reason. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying. What I am yeah. saying is sometimes random stuff happens. But what if it's happening for you? What's your opportunity here? What do you get to release? What do you get to claim? How do you get to shift? And for me, that drained a lot of stress out of life. It allowed me to see things in a new way. And they're like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. This Because how many times have we had something happen that sucked? Oh, it was terrible. For instance, yeah. burnout for me, it wasn't just, oh, you know, I just need a little vacation. It was, I can't get off the couch. You know, two weeks ago, I ran three miles every day. And this week, I can't unload the dishwasher. It was bad news. And it was super horrible. And as I recovered, I began to see I had missed some messages from the universe that perhaps I could shift things so this wouldn't happen. And I totally missed it. So this is the only thing that got my attention. It yes. was a terrible, horrible thing. That's the best thing that's ever happened to me. You, I would have fought with you at the time. I would have been like, oh, it's on. I'm going to argue with you. But, <laughs> but now I'm like, no. What if it's happening for you. And that seems to be really helpful. It is really helpful. And it is, it's a really great way to look at things with curiosity, right? You know, we were talking earlier about judgment. Usually when those hard things happen, there's a judgment involved in ourselves of like, why did this happen to me? Why me? Why like those, Mm -hmm. those judgment type questions. But when you can shift and look at it from that place of curiosity, around why, but why is this happening to me? And is it, and again, shifting the language to, I think this is happening for me, because that certainly was my experience at the end of my education career. It was like, it was one, you know, sign after another. And it wasn't until the universe like grabbed my face, like, hello. And, and it felt awful at the time. And it was my ticket to freedom mm-hmm. in the in the end. And so those experiences are so powerful and they can be that open it they can't it can be that opening door that allows you to walk out of what's been keeping you small and keeping you small and afraid. And I just wanted to go back to what you were saying about the ascending beyond my body and the difference between <laughs> right? like the spirit, it's spiritual bypass, right? Of, Oh, so this, yeah, I agreed to come here, but this is, uh, this is way harder than I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be. And so I'm just going to try and get my ass out of here. that's what that is instead of I loved the way you framed it of like what if this can be enjoyable 
right? Like, yes, there are lots of challenging things about being human and being in this human experiment. And it absolutely can be beautiful and and, and enjoyable. It it can. And I, I'm not trying to discount people who are having a really crappy time. Oh, yeah, people no. with chronic yeah. conditions or a lot of pain, <clears throat> a lot of times they're like, oh, let's let's turn this lady off. But it, it can be for you, too. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying, oh, my God, this is happening for a reason. And you'll be like, no, that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, yes, it sucks. And mm-hmm. it. it like, what if it is happening for you? Is it, is it an opportunity to shift? Is it, you know, how to live with problems? Like, I wonder what your soul wanted to get out of this incarnation. Yes. Um, because that's, from my frame of reference, my personal metaphysics, is we choose to incarnate on this plane. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in our life that we do actively choose to give our souls a chance to evolve in ways that can't be done other places. I'm not saying this is definitely how it is. That's just my personal metaphysics. And for me, that works well. And it helps me move through this. Um, Also a reframing again, what people, people that hang out with me understand that I am questions. I am all about questions. I used to get into so much trouble for this mm-hmm. when I was little, but why? But that doesn't make sense. Why yeah. would we do it like this? Mm-hmm. Excuse me, that's dumb. That goes against what you just said five minutes ago. Oh, very <laughs> unpopular. Very unpopular with the teachers in elementary school. Because Indeed. I'm like, I'm sorry, yeah. that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but you just said what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's turned into something that's actually very helpful. So for instance, part of, I had burnout so bad it was burnout in my body. And there is a lot of pain and discomfort and physical ailments that go along with that, that are confusing because physicians don't know what's happening in general. Uh, They're like, I don't know, looks like you're fine. I'm like, oh, I assure you I'm not fine. Mm -hmm. And then you often get, oh, I don't know, fibromyalgia or just some rando chronic condition when actually it's other things. And that's, in part why people turn to spirituality, but I'm really glad for that because a lot of these are actually spiritually rooted conditions that have happened in your physical body. Um, But part of the reframing for me, I was like, why is this pain so intense? And as I really sat with it, I was like, oh, I realized I love intensity. I love intense situations. I love intense people. I love if things are like lighthearted. Yeah, that's great. But I need some, some base notes in my life. Yeah. And once I realized, I was like, oh, oh, okay. I wonder how I could bring intensity in, in a way that was more pleasant. Yeah. If I, my soul is like really seeking intensity. And the only mechanism I've given it is pain and problems. Like, oh, okay, great. How about we have some intensely pleasant experience? But if we also experience intense joy and, and then it kind of, and at first I was like, I don't know, let's just see. And as I tested it, it really worked for me. It seems to work well for clients as well. So if you continue to pull things to you, it's like, okay, well, what is it about it? Like, what's the thread? And then how can you bring that in, in a way where you can experience what I would call the positive polarity? Yeah. It helps you really be present even when things. Yeah. Thank you for that. And because I I do think there are a lot of us, like I also, I didn't realize that I was a person who needed intensity in my life until I had a work colleague and she and I were a team and she was like really light. I always thought I was, you know, light and funny. And, and then I worked with her and I was like, oh no, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not those things. (laughs) And I, and we would approach, I was, in my mind, I thought, if you want someone, if there's a situation where people just need light and easy, then this is the person that they want. I am not the person that they want. When someone wants to go like into the structural issues or, you know, the underlying, that's where I come in. But what I really learned from that colleague, and I should have told her during that time, was that there 
there needs to be both things mm-hmm. present for to really draw everybody in. And it's not like you said before, right and wrong. It's not one thing. It's not opposing each other. It's how we make space for all for all of that to make a much more fulsome container. I I completely agree. And I am all about let's bring all parts of you and all parts of everybody. Yeah. And and it does require the high notes and the low notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really funny. So some of the feedback that I get when I do live presentations is she has fun with difficult topics because I'm like stress and burnout <laughs> and everybody thinks that's weird, but I'm like, no, this is really fantastic yeah. because if you, we can move through this, it's what connects you with joy. And yes. I, the people I work with, there's no way to bypass moving through all of these steps. Mm-hmm. Or if you do, it's really dysfunctional and it requires a lot of energy and a lot of spiritual bypassing, a lot of, you know, love and light, positive vibes only like, okay, well, good luck with that. I'll see you in three years when your life goes to shit. Sorry about that. But like, there's like, there's a reason why stress is happening. There's a reason why burnout is happening, like low energy for existence, for example. Um, energy is the key to everything. Like having good energy flow is what makes everything work everything yes. your your life your physical health your business your, your livelihood your bank account it's it's all energy so it's very important to get good energy flow so i use humor a lot of times like somebody is i'd be like okay you've got low energy great tell me what your life is like tell me what your day is like and and i was just like okay okay here's the deal now energy isn't exactly a person but if you personify it a little bit why would energy ever come to your house and play? You're just going to do shitty things. You're just doing boring things. It's just, it's all work. It's no play. It's not coming over. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, if you're not having joy in your life, why, why would energy ever come? Yeah. So we got to unpick what isn't working for you. Find a structural way forward that you can actually sustain. So it's got to be pretty easy. You know, you might do a little boundary setting up front because boundaries bring joy. Yes. Do a little boundary setting up front, do a little enforcing. And then now it's a lot easier. It's kind of a self-perpetuating. I don't know. I've got plenty of energy for this. I'm getting enough rest. I feel rejuvenated. Mm -hmm. All my work's getting done. The money's coming in. My responsibilities are taken care of. And I'm just enjoying life. That's actually possible where you are now. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah. And I hope people hear that. Like that is actually possible where you are now. And when you were talking a little bit earlier, when you're about bringing in joy and making things fun, it made me think about my, my doctor. So when I have to go in for my physicals for my paps, she's like, yeah, paps, women's health. Yes. <laughs> and it totally changes. Although still like nobody loves a speculum. It's just right. not. But when she frames it for me in that way, like, yeah, we are caring for you and your health. That's amazing. It really changes. Like she's laughing, I'm laughing. And we are uplifting each other in that joy of like the sucky thing, but it is joyful because we are caring for ourselves. Yes. What a wonderful example. I love that so much. That is also in my mind, that's an example of connecting with why you're actually there. Yes. When you can connect with what's real, what the real reason is, that returns a lot of energy. And for her, like, she's like, that's joyful. This is my purpose. I am on the planet to improve health. And this is the way we're doing it. Yes. Even though the pathway there is maybe like, not super great. Yeah. But the intention and the outcome mm-hmm. is, right? And yeah. it also, it made me, when you were talking, it also made me think back to that question about like, why is our physical body so loud? And I, re- and through this conversation, I've sort of had a shift around, well, when pain and things are stuck in our body, it's actually the soul's way of being loud. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like what, okay, if there's pain in my body, what might it be trying to tell me? And there's lots of different processes. And again, I don't want to be like, pain is very easy to treat. All you got to do is, th-. but yeah. sometimes, because pain is actually, so stress is all about perception. Mm-hmm. 
pain is all about perception. It's, um, yes. well, so sometimes yeah. you can ratchet it down. <clears throat> you can shift it. Sometimes it's actually telling you something mm -hmm. like there are messages to be received. And when you receive the message, the pain dissipates. Um, and other times it's, that isn't how it works, mm -hmm. but there's usually a path through. Yeah. And it's not always pain. Like I was, I was, my own physical response to emotions is that I throw up. It's like, it's a thing I've done my whole life. And my kid, my, my youngest kid is getting a lot of air, airplay today. Sorry, kiddo. <laughs> um, he is the same. And so as we learn more about how the body functions, we now know that it's not like, this is not myth. There's scientific ground, scientific grounding for the fact that energy plays these roles in our bodies and that when we hold trauma in places. And for me, it's whenever I have intense emotion, it comes, it comes through my stomach. And I also understand now that that's where like, we also know that there's a lot of creation of happy chemicals and it, that happens in the gut. So of course it makes sense that when they're, for me, my, the way my system works, when there's intensity, it comes, it's coming up and out one way or another. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of people you may not realize listening to this that are jealous that you can process things so quickly just by throwing up. Oh. <laughs> for people who are wired differently, it's right. like a whole different process and it takes a lot longer and they don't, they aren't given the knowledge about what even is happening until much later. So while I understand that can be very challenging, just, just know that there's a lot of people that are jealous. Oh my God, she can just deal with it right away. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know that I necessarily deal with it right away, but it is the sign of like, oh, there you're feeling too, you're feeling more in your body than you can handle. And this is how it's coming out. And it's, it does. I've also had longer term things, right? So I've talked on the show before. One of one of the physical things that told me I had to leave my work was that, um, like this time last year, I would not have been able to hold this cup in this hand without it mm -hmm. going like this. I had such a strong. Oh, for those who are listening and not <laughs> seeing it, I was holding a cup and shaking it. Uh, but I had such tension held in my right shoulder that it was causing a tremor that I couldn't, I couldn't hold the cup without holding my hand as well. And, and, and it took months of that and also being afraid because my dad has Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. And so my initial thought was, is this early stage Parkinson's starting to show itself in me? And so I was so afraid of that that I wouldn't even acknowledge that there was something going on there. I'd just be like, oh, I've got low, low blood sugar and I'll eat and it'll be fine. It wasn't fine. It wasn't fine until three and a half, four months uh, of healing from the really traumatic experiences I had in my former career. Yes. There's a lot of trauma in dysfunctional systems. Yes. And I really thank you for sharing that because. One of the things I'm present to is it's as if our soul discerns what will get our attention. Yes. So one of the reasons why I help people with energy and get more energy and let's make this functional and all these other super fun things that I do, it's because I tend to be like, I tend to have a lot of energy. Like I'm the one that we went on vacation and I was with people and we did this big long hike. We were at 10 miles and somebody's like, Oh, I wonder what's up over there. And I was like, I'll go check. And I like ran up the mountain and Oh, it looks like it's this and ran back. And they were like, what are you doing? I was like, what are you guys tired? Yeah. Um, so what got my attention is it tanked my energy. And and it wasn't until later I realized in part it was tanking my energy because I was saving up my energy to use at work. And in my mind, I was like, because ain't nobody else paying this mortgage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I have to focus on work. And now I see it differently. Um, and again, this is just a perception, but it seems to be more functional and works better. It's like it got my attention and told me that how I was running my life wasn't actually working for me. I was, you know, 
living into all of these other archetypes and, you know, a good person does this and a successful independent woman does this and blah, blah, blah. That wasn't working. So it sounds like your attention was really got your attention with a tremor. Yeah. And with other people, it really gets your attention with pain or it really gets your attention with, you know, things are blowing up around me metaphorically. Why? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good and concrete structure or framework to leave with people is that what's getting my attention? What is it drawing my attention to that's not working? And then, and then what's my next step? Exactly. And like, is there a message? What's the need that's not being met? Yes. Is there a message? What's the need that's not being met? Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. I can't, this converse, this hour flew by <laughs> in a heartbeat. Hour. Wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it did fly um, by. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. I, this conversation is so important and listeners let us know, like, where are you feeling burnout? Where are you noticing it? And all of Heather, Dr. Heather's information will be below um, in the show notes. So you can connect with her. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. What a pleasure this has been. Thank you for joining me on this transformative journey. Your support means the world. If you resonated with our conversation and want to uplift the Transforming 45 community, here's what you can do. Connect with me about how you can reclaim your own magic. Check the show notes for all the ways you can find me. Subscribe and share. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you found value here, share it with friends, family, and anyone seeking inspiration. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your words can make a significant impact and help others find their way to these transformative stories. Join the conversation on social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at LBoat. You can also find me on Facebook and TikTok. And if you know someone whose story could inspire others, reach out and let me know. I love connecting with diverse voices that carry the power to transform lives. Remember, your support fuels my mission to share authentic stories of transformation. Thank you for being part of the Transforming 45 family. Until next time, keep shining your light and embracing your journey. I host the rock podcast back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to back to the arena, the interviews. Electric acid. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast Networks include Ruby for Female Empowerment, The Best Business Network, and GPN for Geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts, and hear the culture.